Chapter 7, Section 1 and 2 of J. B. Burry's The Student's Roman Empire, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Student's Roman Empire, Part 1, by John Bagnell Burry. Chapter 7 The Provincial Administration under Augustus, the Eastern Provinces. 27 B.C. to 14 A.D. Sections 1 and 2. Chapter 7. Provincial Administration Continued. The Eastern Provinces and Egypt. Function of Roman Rule in the East. Macedonia, Achaia, and the Free Greek States. Nicopolis and the Actian Games. The Delphic and Fictiani. Asia and Bithynia. The Provincial Diets. Asiarchs and Bithyniarchs, Galatia and Pamphylia, the dependent states in Asia Minor, the Lycian Confederacy, Cappadocia, Pontus, Paphlagonia, Little Armenia, the states of the Tauric Peninsula, Bosphorus and Chersonesus, the insular provinces, Cyprus and Crete with Cyrene, Syria and the neighboring dependent states, Nabatea, Judea, Comagene, Chalcis, Abila, Emesa, Palmyra, King Herod and his Hellenism, Egypt. The Romans, who were the teachers of the peoples whom they conquered in the West, were themselves pupils in the East. In Gaul, in Spain, in northern Italy, in Illyricum, they broke new ground and appeared as the pioneers of civilization. But in the eastern countries, which came under their dominion, they entered upon an inheritance, which they were called upon, indeed, to preserve and improve, but where there was no room for them to originate new ideas of development. Rome merely carried on the work of Alexander the Great and his successors, and she was proud to be entrusted with the task. She not only left Greek what was already Greek, but she endeavored to spread Greek civilization in those parts of her eastern lands where it had not taken root. The sole exception to this policy was Sicily, and this was due to its geographical position. The subject lands of the East naturally fall into four groups. 1. Macedonia and Greece. 2. Asia Minor, in connection with which may be considered the Tauric Peninsula. 3. Syria and the neighboring vassal kingdoms. 4. Egypt, which stands by itself, both geographically and because, strictly speaking, it was not a province. Section 1. Macedonia, Achaia, and the Free Greek States. The institution of the empire was attended by a change in the administration of Macedonia and Greece, which, under the Republic, had formed one large province. Augustus divided it into two smaller provinces, Macedonia and Achaia, both of which he assigned to the Senate. This division, however, did not altogether coincide with the boundary between Greece and Macedonia. The province of Achaia was smaller than Hellas, and the new province of Macedonia larger than Macedonia proper. For Thessaly, Aetolia, Acarnia, and Epirus were placed under the rule of the northern proconsul. Thus, Mount Etna, instead of Mount Olympus, was the boundary between Greece and Macedonia. Imperial Macedonia was thus smaller in extent and importance than Republican Macedonia. 
It also lost its military significance as a frontier district through the extension of Roman rule over the neighboring lands north and east. Greek civilization, though it had flourished for centuries in the old cities on both the seas which wash the coasts of Macedonia, never penetrated far into the highlands. Eastward of Apollonia and Dyrrachium, northward of Thessalonica and the Chalcidic Peninsula, there were few Greek cities to form centers of culture. Augustus settled colonies of Roman citizens in many of the old Greek towns, in Dyrrachium, the old Epidamnos, and in Bilus, on the Adriatic coast, in Thracian Philippi, in Pella, in Dium, on the Thermea Gulf, in Cassandra, on the Bay of Pagasai. But his purpose was merely to provide for veteran soldiers, not to Romanize the province. In general, the towns retained their Macedonian constitutions and politarchs, and they formed a federation with a diet. The capital of the province was Thessalonica, and this alone stamped it as Greek. Thessaly, although placed under the government of the proconsul of Macedonia, held a position quite apart from the lands north of Mount Olympus. It was a purely Greek district, and its cities formed a federation of its own, distinct from that of Macedonia. The Diet used to meet at Larissa, whose fertile plain was so famous. Julius Caesar had accorded the right of free self-government to all the Thessalians, but for some act of misconduct, Augustus withdrew the privilege, and the Thessalians, with the single exception of Pharsalus, were degraded from the position of allies to that of subjects. The Roman government, whether republican or imperial, always treated the venerable cities of Greece with a consideration and tenderness, which they show to no other conquered lands. The reverence which was inspired in the Romans by the city of the Virgin Palace, by patient Lacedaemon, and by oracular Delphi, is displayed not only in their literature, but in their government. Athens preserved a part of her dominion, as well as her independence. She can still regard herself as a sovereign city. Thus Greek fell politically into two parts, Federate Greece and Subject Greece. First of the free Federate states comes Athens, with the whole of Attica and various other dependencies. On the mainland she possessed Haliartos in Boeotia and the surrounding district, but, as in old days, most of her dominion was insular. Among the Cyclades she had Chaos and Delos, in the northern Aegean, Lemnos, Imbros, and Skyros. The island of Salamis was also recovered for her in the reign of Augustus, by the private liberality of a rich man, Julius Nicanor, whom the grateful Athenians named the new Themistocles. In spite of her privileged position, perhaps in consequence of it, Athens often gave the Roman government trouble. A revolt in the reign of Augustus is recorded. Next to Athens in northern Greece came three famous Boeotian towns, Thespiae, Tanagra, and Plataea. In Phocis, likewise three, Delphi, Elatea, and Abae. In Locris, Amphissa, in the Peloponnesus, Sparta was permitted to retain her dominion over northern Laconia, while the inhabitants of the southern half of that country were formed into eighteen communities of free Laconians, Eleutherolacones. Dime in Achaea was also a free city, and it is highly probable, though not certain, that Elis and Olympia belonged to the free communities. 
the Roman government interfered as little as possible with the affairs of these free states. Athens coined her own drachmae and obols, and the head of Caesar never appeared on her coins. But she and her fellows knew that their privileges might at any moment be withdrawn, as the example of the Thessalians taught them. Patrae and Corinth, as Roman colonies, held a somewhat different position. Corinth, like Carthage, rose again under the auspices of Julius Caesar, as Colonia Iulia, or Laus Iulia, and rapidly recovered her prosperity, thanks to her geographical position. Patrae in Achaea was founded by Augustus, who settled there a large number of Italian veterans, and granted to the new town dominion over the Locrian haven Naupactus, which lay over against it on the opposite coast. The rest of Greece, with the exception of the less developed districts in the west, Aetolia, Acarnia, Epirus, constituted the province of Achaia. The residence of the proconsul was at Corinth. The sense of national unity in these subject states was encouraged by Augustus. He received the Achaean League in an extended form as the League of Boeotians, Aeobians, Locrians, Phocians, and Dorians, or briefly the League of the Achaeans. In later times it assumed the more pretentious title of the League of the Panhellenes. The assemblies of this association used to meet in Argos, which was thus, in some measure, recompensed for her exclusion from the list of free communities. One important and singular state still has to be mentioned. On the northern lip of the mouth of the Ambracian Gulf, near the scene of the great battle, in which he won the lordship of the Roman world, Augustus founded a new city. Nicopolis, the city of victory, rose on the very spot where the main body of his army had been encamped. This foundation was not to be a Roman colony. It was to be a Greek city, like Thessalonica, and it was founded in the same way, by synchronizing the small communities of the neighborhood. Lycopolis, like Athens and Sparta, was a free and sovereign state. Acarnia, the island of Leucus, the neighborhood districts of Epirus, a part of Aetolia, were placed under her control. On the opposite promontory, a new temple of Apollo was built at Actium and quinquennial games were instituted in honor of that god, on the model of the Olympian, and actually called Olympian, as well as Actian. The cycle of four years was in Actiad. Nicopolis and its dependents belonged politically neither to Macedonia nor to Achaia, but they were more in touch with the southern than with the northern province. The great bond of union among the European Greeks under Roman rule was the Delphic and Fictiani, and in this assembly, as reorganized by Augustus, Nicopolis had a prominent place. The chief reform introduced by that emperor was the extension of the institution to Macedonia and Nicopolis. But as many votes were assigned to the new city as to the whole of the Macedonian province. The functions of the Amphictyani were purely religious. It ordered the sacred festivals and administered the large income of the temple of Delphi. From a political point of view, it served the same purpose as the assembly of the three Gallic provinces which met at Lyon, round the altar of Augustus. It helped to maintain a feeling of unity and a sense of common nationality. Section 2. Asia Minor. Kingdoms of the Euxine. Islands. Asia and Bithynia. From the Greeks of the motherland, we pass to the Greeks of Lesser Asia. 
Here Rome had never to struggle for dominion, as in the other parts of the empire of Alexander the Great and his successors. The provinces of Asia and Bithynia dropped, as it were, into her arms. Asia was the kingdom of the Attalids of Pergamum, and was bequeathed to the Roman people by Attalus III. Bithynia became Roman in the same way by the testament of King Nicomedes. Both these provinces were assigned to the Senate and governed by proconsuls. Asia extended from the shores of the Propontis to the borders of Lycia. Eastward it included Phrygia, and on the west took in the islands along the coast. Bithynia was no longer confined to the original kingdom of Nicomedes. It had been increased on the east side by Pontus, after the overthrow of the empire of Mithridates by Pompey, and it stretched along the Bosphorus into Europe, so as to take in Byzantium. In the kingdom of the Attalids, little was left for the Romans to do in the way of Hellenization. In the interior of the country, there were many Hellenistic cities, and the growth of city life required no fostering from the new mistress. The colonies of Parium and Alexandria in the Troas, founded by Augustus, were for the purpose of settling veteran soldiers. It was otherwise in the kingdom of Nicomedes. Here Greek culture had not taken root so deeply or so widely. Bithynia was far less developed than Asia. Here, accordingly, there was room for Rome to step in and carry on the work of Hellenization, and she gladly undertook the task. Pontus, which was under the governor of Bithynia, was more backward still. There were no Greek centers there, like Prusa and Nicaea and Bithynia, so that the Hellenization of that country practically began under the empire. The two most important towns on the coast of Pontus were Sinope, where a Roman colony had been planted, and Trapezus, which was the station of the Pontic fleet. In Asia Minor, as in other parts of the empire, Augustus promoted the institution of provincial councils. The deputies of various cities met yearly in a center, and the assembly could make known to the Roman governor the wishes of the province. But this institution took a special shape and color by its association with the worship of the emperor. In 29 B.C., Caesar, not yet Augustus, authorized the diets of Asia and Bithynia to build temples to himself in Pergamum and Nicomedia. Hence the custom of paying divine honors to the emperor during his lifetime spread throughout the provinces. In Italy and Rome, such worship was not yielded to him till he was deified after his death. This worship involved the existence of high priests, who, in the Asiatic provinces, became very important persons and gave their names to the year. Whereas in European Greece, the ancient public festivals, Olympian, Pythian, Isthmian, and Nemean, still lived, and the new Actian feast was celebrated in honor of Apollo. In Asia, the public feasts were connected with the cult of the emperor. The president of the provincial diet, the Asiarch in Asia, and the Bithyniarch in Bithynia, conducted the celebration of these festivals and defrayed the costs so that those offices could only be held by rich men. There was no lack of wealthy folk in Asia, the province of five hundred cities. It had suffered a good deal from piracy and from the Mithridatic War, and Augustus, in order to restore prosperity, resorted to the measure of cancelling old debts. Rhodes was the only state that did not take advantage of this permission. But Asia soon recovered, and her bright cities enjoyed under the empire tranquility and prosperity. 4. Galatia and Pamphylia. 
When the provinces were divided in 27 BC between the Senate and the Emperor, Asia Minor was only in small part provincial. Besides Asia and Bithynia, only eastern Cilicia was subject to a Roman governor. The rest of the country consisted of dependent states, holding the same relation to Rome as Mauritania in the west. Chief among these vassal states was the kingdom of Galatia, then ruled by Amintus. Celtic civilization held its own for a long time against Hellenism in this miniature Gaul, which was set down in the land of Hellenistic states somewhat like Massilia, that miniature Greece set down in the land of Celtic cantons. The visitor who came from western Galatia, the Greek name of Gaul, to eastern Galatia, might hear spoken in the streets of Pessinus and Ancyra, the language with which he was familiar in the streets of Lugudunum, here, too, in the new Gaul, were the same double names of towns as in the old Gaul, the name of the place and the name of the tribe, as Gallic Mediolanum is Santes, saints, as Lutetia is Parisi, so Ancyra is called by the name of the Tectosages, Pisinius by that of the Tolistobogii, but in Asia the Celts did not long maintain the purity of their race. Gallic and Greek blood were mingled, and the people were called Gallo-Greeks, just as in Gaul they came to be Gallo-Romans. The princes of Galatia were ambitious of empire, and were rivals of Mithridates. In the Mithridatic War, they stood fast by Rome. King Diotarus, who had played a prominent part then, died in 40 BC, and his kingdom passed to one of his officers, Amintus, in 36 BC, through the favor of Marcus Antonius who charged the new sovereign with the subjugation of Pisidia. The dominion of Amintus extended over these mountainous countries, south of Galatia, which have always been so hard to civilize, Pisidia, Lycaonia, Isauria, and western Cilicia. The fall of his patron Antonius made no difference in the position of Amintus. Caesar allowed him to remain where he was. But when he died in 25 BC, Galatia was transformed into a Roman province and, like all new provinces after 27 B.C., was administered by an imperial governor. Pamphylia, over which the authority of Amintus stretched, was now separated from Galatia, and made a distinct province. But Pisidia and Lycaonia still went with Galatia. In the mountainous regions of these districts, the Hellenistic kings had done little for civilization, and there was a great field for the plantation of new cities. Antioch, Seleucia, Apollonia and northern Pisidia, Iconium and Laodicea Catechecomene in Lycaonia were indeed something, but they were only a beginning. Augustus founded the Roman colonies of Lystra and Pilaris in Lycaonia and Cremna in Pisidia, and his successors carried on the work. Many remains of theaters and aqueducts in these lands tell of prosperity under the early empire. But even at the best of times, Mount Taurus was the home of wild mountaineers, always ready, under a weak government, to pursue the trade of brigandage. 5. The Dependent States in Asia Minor and on the Euxine The rest of Asia Minor did not become provincial until after the death of Augustus. During his reign, the Lycian Confederacy, once subject to Rhodes but independent after the Third Macedonian War, was permitted to retain its autonomy. The kingdom of Cappadocia was ruled by King Archelaus. Polemon ruled over a Pontic kingdom, consisting of the territory between 
Caressus, and Trapezus, and also the land of Colchis. There were three distinct vassal states in Cilicia. In Paphlagonia there were some small principalities held by the descendants of King Deotarus, but these came to an end in 7 BC and were joined to Galatia. East of Galatia, north of Cappadocia, was the kingdom of Little Armenia, of which more will be said in the next chapter, where the position of Great Armenia will also be described, a kingdom dependent by turns on the Roman and the Parthian empires. One state, or rather two states, which up till very late times continued Roman dependencies, not incorporated in the provincial system, still call for notice. These are the two cities on the Tauric Peninsula, Bosphorus, or Panticapium, on the eastern promontory at the entrance of the Paulus Maiotis, and Chersonesus, or Heraclea, at the opposite western side. Bosporus was governed by kings, the original title was Archon, who also ruled over Phanagoria, on the opposite mainland, and Theodosia, a town on the peninsula. Chersonesus was a republic. Both states had been conquered by Mithridates, and formed into a Bosporan realm. When he was overthrown, Bosphorus, after some struggles, came finally into the hands of Asandros, who held it unto his death, 16 BC, and left the kingdom to his wife, Dynamis. By marriage with her, and the permission of Augustus, Polemon, king of Pontus, then obtained the kingdom, and was succeeded by his children. But the republic of the western city was no longer subject to its eastern neighbor, though it might regard the basilis of Bosphorus as a protector in times of need. These cities on the distant border of Scythia played an important part in commerce. The Greek colonies on the northern shore of the Euxine, Tyrus, at the mouth of the river of like name, Olbia, near the mouth of the Hypanus, although they sometimes received Roman protection, never took a permanent place in the empire. Lonely and remote, they were left to hold their own, as best they could, in the midst of barbarous peoples. Cyprus, Crete, in Cyrene. In the western Mediterranean there were two insular provinces, Cilicia and Sardinia. So likewise in the eastern parts of the same sea there were two insular provinces, Cyprus and Crete. Crete, however, was not an entire province. It had been joined by its conqueror Metellus with the Cyrenaic Pentapolis. The joint province of Crete and Cyrene was assigned to the Senate. The land of Cyrene, remarkable for its delightful invigorating climate, was also blessed by freedom from political troubles throughout its history as a Roman province. Like Asia and Bithynia, it had been willed to the Roman Republic by Ptolemy Appian, its last Macedonian king, 96 BC. Cyprus was at first imperial, but in 22 BC, Augustus transferred it, along with Gallia Narbonensis, to the Senate. The early history of this island had turned, like that of Sicily, on the struggle between the Phoenicians and the Greeks. Under Roman rule, it would have enjoined unbroken tranquility, but for the large population of Jews who sometimes rebelled. Even the peaceful Cyrenaica was at times disturbed by the agitations of the same race. Crete, once the home of piracy, was lucky enough to play no part in history as long as the Mediterranean was a holy Roman sea. End of chapter 7, sections 1 and 2.